0: at Stories That Matter Studios, I'm Nance Haxton, and this is The Streets of Your Town, the podcast that takes you on an audio journey through theatre of the mind, highlighting a different slice of Australian life each episode. He started by making his renowned moogoo in a saucepan in a tiny two-bedroom apartment, Now Craig Jones is defying negative talk about the demise of Australian manufacturing and even the doubts of his own father by running a company producing more than 40 all-natural skincare products all made in Australia. Moogoo now exports to countries around the world and has a growing employment base. In this Streets of Your Town, we hear how he transformed a simple idea to help his mother's psoriasis into a thriving company that applies its environmentally friendly ethos to every aspect of the product chain, including recycling. And if you've ever wondered what's really in that sunscreen that you lather all over your body, Craig Jones tells us on Streets of Your Town how he is leading the charge calling for greater transparency and more rigorous testing of Australian sunscreen products, arguing that consumers deserve to know what is in their sunscreen in the same way they know the ingredients in their food. Craig, welcome to the Streets of Your Town podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for coming.
0: Craig, tell us a bit about your journey. I, I see that you've come from Perth to the Gold Coast with your Moogoo brand. Can you tell us a bit of where you began?
1: Uh, so I was in Perth as an Air Force pilot. Uh, that's where the training base is. I thought my career would be a pilot. Uh, I had no interest in skincare care uh, at all at that stage. But My mother had psoriasis, which is a skin condition that makes your, your skin very flaky. And she was using a a product that they use on cow's udders. It was a very thick, heavy pasty cream. And uh, she would need to put glad wrap over, cling wrap over her um, skin so it wouldn't get on her clothes. So I took some home, uh, reformulated it for her and uh, friends would use it. Uh, I was using it. People would come around with little pots and get it out of the the kitchen. And then uh, I found I was making more and more. And one thing led to another and 12 years later I know a lot about skincare
0: so you didn't really have a background in skincare or science or formulating these things it really just came from trying to help
1: your mum. well the thing about skincare is that easy products are are really easy to make Mm. like a a sorbillin is only four ingredients Mm. it's easier than damper really (laughs) Uh, so you can make it in the kitchen very easily Uh, nowadays the products are much more complicated particularly sun sun creams Uh, so I have cosmetic chemists that work alongside, but my role basically is to say, look, we can't use that ingredient. We need to find a different ingredient. Uh, I want it to do this. And then the, the chemists uh, adjust to, to our ingredient philosophy.
0: So tell us a bit about that. How did it evolve from from this product you were giving away to friends or to, to, to help relieve the your mum? And, and psoriasis is such a nasty condition in many ways. It's so hard to relieve unless you find the right product. How did you end up going into that full time from being a pilot?
1: Well, skin conditions, are. you're right about skin conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, people think, oh, you know, it's just a skin condition, but your skin is your the way you present yourself to the world so if you've got psoriasis and let's say my mum was a beautiful lady back in the day and then she has all flaky skin you know it really affects them a lot uh, and psoriasis has no cure by the way so i'm not claiming to cure it i was making a lot of it and i thought well this will sell well in a shop and so i put it into a bottle that looked terrible uh, had a terrible name Mugu, uh, because it wasn't really serious back then
0: and it came from because the original cream she was using it was for cows wasn't it?
1: yeah and my mother was one of those country aristocracy type of ladies that are more proper than, you know, virtually anyone. And udder cream to her was crass. So she would, her nickname was Mugu. Can you make more Mugu for me? And that's how Mugu came to be. Uh, but when I tried to sell that into the shop with a label that featured up the, upside down udders, for example, uh, and the original directions to be used on cows, it didn't sell at all, surprisingly. And then it was um, just a, a matter of getting coached by the owner of the shop who was a lovely lady, and said, oh, you need to make a brochure. So, ah, I made a brochure. And then the backing stand, and and gradually it began to sell. Uh, And then, you know, the shampoo came next because my wife had a really itchy head. She would have to put cling wrap around her head just to be able to sleep at night, because it was so itchy. So the shampoo came next. And, you know, uh, gradually by trying to improve things each year, it just grew. But I had no idea at all I would be in this position. Yeah.
0: It kind of shows how, uh, Things can evolve, I think. You know, sometimes we're all wanting to find that dream business of what we can do, what we're meant to be doing in the world. But it shows yours really grew quite organically, ironically, as well as your ingredients, didn't it? I mean, you know, sometimes that path can just evolve before us. Uh,
1: Yeah, it can. And as I said, I had no particular interest in skincare at the time. Now that I make it and I see what's in different products, I have a big interest. But people will often ask, you know, I want to have a business. I just don't know what to do. But really, it's, I, I think it's just a matter of starting with something, even if it's stupid, like uh, Mugu was. Uh, I remember my father just just rolling his eyes. Uh, he thought I was going to be an Air Force pilot, then a Qantas pilot and all of that. It's like, you know, cosmetics, uh, why would you? But It's a very competitive market. Very, very competitive. and particularly with multinationals and models and and various things. But the organic growth, I I just think try something. Uh, If your friends like it, you can make really a business out of it. As long as you can convince your friends that they would actually pay money for it, I think that's a good start. And then just continue to try and improve.
0: Now here we are at your Gold Coast factory. How many people are you employing? I see you're exporting to like seven different countries.
1: So we have 40 people directly on our payroll. uh, And then we have... Uh, lots of subcontractors that uh, make the product according to our ingredients and um, so probably I would be guessing maybe 100 people work for Mugu.
0: So did you ever imagine that that would be where this would evolve to?
1: No but it's good because I'm the person that employs these people so they have to pretend to like me for a start (laughs) Uh, and so that's the good thing about coming to work is everybody's nice to you you when you're the boss but I do think you know in return you have to develop a culture where you know, hopefully you saw just by walking around, everybody's pretty happy, uh, well taken care of. They don't feel they're being exploited. You know, it's a good place to work and the business is usually successful.
0: And that's what That was an important part of your business as well, as well as the actual product itself was that, that culture, the ethos behind it.
1: Yeah, very much so, because I felt in my previous job that uh, I was just a number being used until I got sort of too old and then be shuffled <laughs> off, you know, and I just think people everybody has something that they need to fulfill within themselves and work for a lot of people is that like there's a lot of people including myself I think that work is part of who you are that even if you had the money not to work you want to work uh, or you want to do something and that's what uh, a workplace should be they should feel even if they're just packing boxes you know that at least they're respected and and they're appreciated so yeah it is really important and then then when I come to work it feels better for me as well
0: so uh, tell us a bit about the Mugu products. They've, you've really
1: targeted that group of people who are looking for quite
0: a natural product. No,
1: there's millions of natural products out there. Mm. I think the problem is that natural products have over-promised too much. And, you know, and have got to a almost ludicrous point where, you know, uh, my cream is made by fairies in Switzerland stomping on, you know, strawberries, uh, which is not true and people have... lost a little bit bit of confidence and I think there's a bit of pushback towards synthetic products a little bit but what our market is people that want to use something healthy want to use something that's good for the environment because natural products are generally better for the environment uh, but don't want to be taken for suckers that would be uh, so they want something that works and, and they're happy with and if they made it at home themselves if they had the time, this is probably how they would make it. So I'd say that's our market—not just people who want natural.
0: Mm. Yeah. And have you had to overcome some cynicism in the community about natural products as well? Was there some scepticism that this could really work?
1: Yeah, particularly in the medical profession, really. I mean, it doesn't help that it's called mugu to start with. You can't—a a doctor will sound silly just even suggesting that. But we do have a. Big support now amongst doctors and medical professionals, which is good. Not all, of course, but particularly in oncology. So, when people are getting cancer treatment, there's a lot of skin problems following that. Normally, they've been putting on basically Sorbaline, so a lot of people have been putting on Mugu instead. For eczema, you know, even my friends and relatives will go to a doctor and Uh, They'll say, oh, I went to a doctor and he mentioned Mugu because they mentioned that back to me. So, yeah, we do get a lot of support, which is surprising because, yeah, not only is it called Mugu, it's like colorful and it's up against sort of blue and white labeled, uh, you know, derma derma derm. Uh, derma, 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 you know, and and so it doesn't sound medical. But yeah, we we do get a lot of support. And that's, I think, due to word of mouth.
0: A lot of word of mouth. So it's really, and that reflects that ethos again, I suppose, getting people to to reflect their genuine appreciation for the product.
1: Yeah, I think so. We don't have really a marketing budget. So if you're up against a multinational that's got millions of dollars, you've got to find a different way. Uh, And one different way is to have a product that works and then encourage people to talk about it. Uh, That's sort of like, Guerrilla marketing, I guess.
0: And you've gone into different products now as well. It's not just the skincare. I see that you've gone into sunscreens as well. What was really your motivation moving into that?
1: Mainly that I learned about sunscreen. When I was uh, younger, I would put on slather on sunscreen because I was kite surfing and surfing. And I was still getting burnt. And also I was getting lots of brown pigmentation underneath my skin, you know, the uh, liver spots type thing as well. And then I learned about sunscreen. And I learned that, in my opinion, Australia doesn't have the best sunscreen. We do have some good sunscreens, but the majority of the sunscreen sold, in my opinion, I would never wear again. So we developed a type of sunscreen that I wanted to use.
0: So what are the problems with the sunscreen?
1: Well, the big problem with sunscreen in Australia, in my opinion, is that the ingredients, not all the ingredients are shown on the label. So you don't know what you're getting. In Australia, we're the only country I know of that only puts the active ingredients and the preservatives on the label. So you can have glycols, pegs, film forms, all type penetration enhancers, all types of things in sunscreen that nobody knows about. Only the manufacturer and the therapeutic goods administration. And I think that's responsible for a lot of people reacting to sunscreen. And also I think it's responsible for making manufacturers produce cheap sunscreen because they don't have to show the, the ingredients. So why would you use a good expensive ingredient if you can have a, a cheap one there instead and nobody knows? and hence yours is very
0: zinc-based
1: yeah we use a clear zinc-based sunscreen the advantage of zinc sunscreen in my opinion is it sits on top of the skin and reflects away uv while the the different type of sunscreen uses uv filters which they're a synthetic filter that soaks into the skin it needs penetration enhancers. it needs a lot of different types of ingredients to make it work so i prefer zinc-based sunscreen but yeah everybody has a different opinion and and sun protection is really really important i just think it should be healthy sun protection not just anything
0: and toothpaste now as well
1: yep toothpaste because (laughs) this is a complicated one because the reason we didn't make toothpaste is because i believe toothpaste needed fluoride which is uh, a remineralizer remineralizing ingredient so when when you get a bit of a scratch in your tooth uh unless that's sort of uh, filled in by fluoride the bacteria can get in there and cause tooth decay. The problem was fluoride didn't agree with our ingredient principles. So we bought out uh, a toothpaste that has an alternative to fluoride uh, called hydroxyapatite and that's that's good but now there's a lot of pushback amongst dental practitioners saying you've got to have fluoride, you must have fluoride. We we show them evidence hey hydroxyapatite is just as good here's the evidence now it must have fluoride so we are doing uh, a version of our toothpaste with fluoride but this is the thing like do you know what's in fluoride in your toothpaste no so most people don't no. they just it's a minty paste <laughs> and the dentists say i should use it but there's uh, sodium laurel sulfate which is a really harsh cleanser uh, saccharin there's triclosan which is um, an ingredient that's been banned in soaps and washes in the USA. So banned in soaps but still in toothpaste. That makes no sense at all to me. I mean they do say well you're not drinking it, but everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Well firstly your mouth is I mean, absorbing you're just, it. Well you just gotta drink champagne to find that out. You know, <laughs> It just goes straight to your head. I mean yeah. uh, your mouth does absorb a lot. Mm-hmm. Plus you swallow and if you're a child Uh, you're swallowing a lot Mm -hmm. so in my opinion they shouldn't be swallowing sls They shouldn't be swallowing saccharin blue lake which is the coloring that gives it the blue thing so with our toothpaste the idea is okay dental practitioners we've got fluoride but we don't have all of these other things so please jump in but i don't i still don't think we'll get a lot of support Dental practitioners are very focused on one particular brand for some reason.
0: It also is an ethos about environmental sustainability that comes through with me.
1: Yeah, not only from me though, but most of the staff we have here are sort of in their 20s. Most people of that age are particularly environmentally focused. And I think just in the last couple of years, you know, it's become alarming, you know, the amount of plastic, global warming and things like that. All of our plastic bottles are made from plastic that would have gone into recycling anyway. Because you can't use glass and glass is more it takes more energy as well you can't use refill pouches because they're not recyclable uh, and then all of our ingredients obviously biodegradable the creams are made in a six-star environmental estate which means it uses solar it's off-grid water uh, the buildings are made of recycled material this building you're in is all run by solar so yeah uh, what we're trying to do is make products that are have a lot less impact than other products that people might buy, say from you know a supermarket or something like that. So can people come and
0: refill yep, their, their plastic bottles?
1: Yep, refill uh, plastic bottles as well. So you can't send a bottle back and be refilled because. Um, of contamination concerns, but you can bring your own bottle and we can refill it in front of you and then you can take it home.
0: Here at the office?
1: Here at the office and we're going Down to be... Down the Gold Coast? Yeah, and taking it around really? uh, the various cities as well to do this. Oh the same.
0: great, okay. Yeah. So that, that, I mean, I imagine that would be a fairly costly exercise and shows your commitment to that principle though.
1: It is costly. Uh, surprisingly, for example, we use all recycled cardboard and paper. And that costs more than using virgin paper. So, yeah, recycling does cost a bit more. So does the, our plastic bottles cost more, even though it's recycled plastic. But, you know, the alternative, it's something I think it's worth spending more money to do.
0: And you've, got, you've also got makeup lines and kind of diversified.
1: The makeup line, as you saw when you came through, it's nearly an all-female company. Um, so you can guess where the drive for makeup Came from uh, staff that wanted freebies, I think. But no, the, the makeup was, because yeah, Moogoo is for people with sensitive skin anyway, and so the idea of the Dusty Girl's makeup is so that people with sensitive skin, their allergies don't get triggered by particular ingredients in makeup. But makeups a really difficult business. To do. Even harder. Yeah. yeah, it is because unfortunately women just aren't buying enough lipstick nowadays. So they, they they must buy more, just like shampoo.
0: Yeah, well there's that there's that theory, isn't it? It's the economic indicator of the lipsticks that as the economy goes down, that more people buy more lipsticks. So isn't because it it's it's an affordable luxury, so perhaps it'll turn around depending yeah, <laughs> how we go well, the next little while.
1: Coincidentally, one of my ancestors had a lipstick business. And when I say ancestors, that sounds like caveman. No, like grandfather on my mother's side. And he said, when he started selling lipstick, his lipstick was, it was in um, Switzerland. It was a cheap lipstick, $3 or something, because he thought, I can make lipstick more cheap. And it didn't sell. And he multiplied the cost by 10 times just overnight. And then it started selling like, hotcakes, and now that, that business is called Pentafarm. it's a multi multi million dollar cosmetic business, but his advice on lipstick was make it expensive, but we, we don't do by the way, but uh, yeah, that just shows what the makeup industry can be like.
0: I just find it encouraging and I think for people who listen to the streets of your town, yeah, just to really trust their instincts with life and with, with their business, sometimes it, that path can really just come before you of where you're meant to be.
1: Yeah, I think so. And, it doesn't have to be successful the first time and who knows what success is I was going
0: to ask you that what do you think success is at this well, point
1: it comes from the abc originally um there's an interviewer that was interviewing people on their deathbed i don't know if you nice. know this one uh and he was saying it was called and he wrote a book called a good life so he, his uh book was asking people what makes a good life and the conclusion to that from speaking to people that are about to die was it's the the people you've got around you not whether you've got a lot of money not whether you're more successful than your peers it's the people that you've got around you and, and how they treat you so yeah that that's another comes back to the workplace you know you i don't want to go into a workplace where i'm i'm not liked where i know i'm not liked uh but yeah that, that's success for me and so the business yeah you know it's got ethical roots uh in my opinion uh good staff so that that's a success for me
0: i was reading about your your christmas party being a, a definition of that too that that was quite a big hit that everyone was quite happy to go over to south stradbroke island even though it wasn't a, a work day just to, yeah. to hang out
1: south stradbroke island even april fool's day uh april 1st mm-hmm. i'll tell you uh, i i arrived at the car park and there's normally 30 people 30 cars in the car park and there wasn't a, a person there and it's like where is everybody is it a public holiday and it wasn't uh and uh have i missed the function because we're going water skiing on thursday maybe they brought it forward and then i thought of there's another pharmacy chain where the, the staff have gone on strike a couple of weeks ago and i thought wow maybe there's a flash strike They've gone on strike. There was there was no delivery trucks, and it was the staff here had uh, organised an April Fools' joke where they, they parked the cars around the corner. Did, when did you find it? Uh, the, the building was uh, dark. I walked in, put the security code in, and then the, the alarms went off. I was like, that's weird. Uh, and they went up and they're all hiding in the building so uh, yeah, yeah that's a pretty good sign of a fun workplace yeah, yeah. I mean work is never that much fun that you would do it for free no and like, I
0: remember reading too saying that it is a lot of hard work for the people looking for the easy path to millions or uh, to success it's a lot of hard work it's yeah, it a bit a of a it's a lot bit.
1: of hard work and, and a fair bit of stress but I think it's something you tend to complain about but you would miss if it wasn't there mm-hmm. um, and, and that's That's what my working day is like a lot of the time. I'll I'll whinge and complain about various problems, but ultimately I'm really glad it's here. That's how you should treat work, I think, in general. It is part of who most people are. Yes. Yeah.
0: And it must be rewarding to be able to help people going right back to the beginning, like your mum, who couldn't find products that met their needs, essentially. Do you get feedback?
1: Yeah, we get lots of feedback. You just got to look on our social media, which is good. And you get the occasional complaint as well. But even the people that complain uh, often, so this didn't work for me, but I love your brand, I love the rest of the products. As long as they feel like they've been listened to Mm -hmm. and understood, then that's one thing. But we get a lot of positive feedback. You know, when I was a pilot in the Air Force, there wasn't a lot of positive feedback. There was a lot of, you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. But here, you know, you make something particularly we export quite a lot to the UK if you get you know emails or Facebook posts from the UK or Malaysia, Ireland. It's like wow something we made here in Australia that's not coal is helping people on the other side of the world. So it's I think good for the reputation of Australia too, to some extent.
0: And A bit of a lesson for people in social media, perhaps too, that it doesn't all have to be glowing. It's how you handle that. Like you say, that people really wanted to be listened to That's
1: and learn, learn, yeah. yeah. So that listened to an, an explained and explained in a non-sort of formulaic, we hear your problem and we're particularly sorry, uh, our condolences type thing. They want to actually know what it is, be helped through it, and, and those people can be an advocate for the brand. It's business sort of 101 to. <laughs> when you write a, when you start your business, you have a structural diagram with you at the top, you know, marketing accounts, and you, you fill every box, uh, your name, and, and the idea of expanding a business is to take, as, take your name out of as many boxes as you can and just leave it in the one that you're good at. Uh, so the one that I'm good at I think is uh, product development, uh, the one that I'm stuck with is uh, managing people, uh, which is really, really difficult, but pretty much everything else is done by other people that are, that are much better at it, particularly, you know, um, technology and information technologies. Wow, it's, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm 51, I'm just too old. So you need to trust people and have the right culture so they can do it for you.
0: Well, I think that's, that's great to know that you had that vision right from the outset with the little tree and um, something I might have to apply with the Wandering journal, hey?
1: Yep, well, you'll need uh, someone to hold your microphone. That, that's, that's right. Yeah, microphone holder. Is it... Uh, I'll
0: need a mechanic for the combi. <laughs> that would yeah. be great to have an on-the-road mechanic,
1: yeah, not me. And a driver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: It'll, Ignition it'll fell out the other day. That was interesting. Came out right onto the floor, but I put it back in and it worked. So that was nice.
1: Yeah. The combis are very valuable now, aren't they?
0: I know. So I've got to look after Mildred, the cantankerous combi. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll uh, have to introduce you to her. So where do you see yourself in a few years? Where is Mooga going from here, Craig?
1: Uh, global domination, obviously. knows uh, uh, hopefully more exporting, that would be good. I just don't know, Nance. the thing about businesses is it can come and it can go. And so you just take each day as it is. But I'd like to keep growing because it makes things more exciting for staff, uh, they've got you know employment opportunities, uh, they've got more people to work with, so I'd like to keep growing. But uh, it could all go tomorrow if in your podcast you say, "Well actually I really hate Moogoo. I think it's terrible <laughs> and it's all over and I yeah, have to go back to flying a plane.
0: <laughs> and uh, where do you get your ideas for new products are they' still evolving that you could be a new product tomorrow? Where, where do these ideas come from?
1: For example, when I had children, that's when all that, that was a flurry of new products for babies you know like a bubble wash that wasn't drying them or giving them UTI infections and things like that a nappy nappy cream that caused A lot of new products but anytime that people write in and say hey uh, you know can you do a moogoo version of this Uh, that's what that's when we tend to do it so our most popular product for example other than the eczema cream is the shampoo and that was my wife had a problem with her itchy head and then another than the third most popular product is deodorant and that was caused uh, because people were having lots of reactions to perspirant they were getting like uh, little lumps under their armpits plus it's full of aluminium as you know so yeah these things come along just because there's a challenge of making them and making them different to what everybody else makes them like
0: it sounds like you've opened a pandora's box and there's a bit more to come yet i think
1: there is more to come i think uh that the men's range is called brothers um okay. yeah so br and then others uh, and the idea of the men's range is because so many men's rangers are given names like Axe, you know, <laughs> really macho <laughs> names. And, and men, I think, particularly Australian people, we're not like that. You know, we're generally self-deprecating, you know, and, and like to have a joke. So the men's range is going to be brothers and make fun of taking care of your skin and and hair and not like you must do this so you pull chicks
0: (laughs) well thank you so much for joining us on streets of your town craig Uh, i should ask him to finish i usually ask people where their favorite street is where they live or if there's a part of where they live that they go to A for solace or a favourite spot that they just go and reflect. Can you think of anything like that around here?
1: Yeah, the Esplanade in Burley, but not really the the sitting down and reflecting. It's because everybody looks so healthy along there that it really guilts you into getting out and having a walk. You know, everybody's just power walking up there. And if you're just sitting there having a beer, you're you're very much out of place. So yeah, I would say the Esplanade in uh, Burley Heads, just because it's a, a fitness sort of healthy place and it's right on the beach
0: beautiful thank you so much for joining us the streets of your town
1: thank you thank you for coming down
0: that was craig jones founder and owner of australian skincare company Mugu, speaking to me at his gold coast factory